Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Up and Down Under podcast, an NBA podcast brought to you by three very average basketballs from Australia. I'm your host, Curtis, and joining me as always is our Raptors aficionado, James. It's good to be back, boys. And our certified Nick Young, aka Swaggy P. Stan Joey. What is going on? Let's go, boys. <laughs> uh, very hyped for this one. Uh, exciting things ahead in this episode. We're going to kick it off, as always, with our Trevor Reza game. James is going to be hosting us. Take it away, mate. Certainly. Okay. So this this week, um, I think it's been a bit of a speed round. These are all decently well-known players. Like, not all stars, as I quickly survey the list, but also definitely, you know, key pieces. Um, all right. Are we ready to go? Yes, sir. Okay. This The first player um, is one of Puma Basketball's first athletes that they signed a couple of years ago when they started to bring back the Puma Basketball line. He hosts his own podcast. He is known for his transition defense and was on the all-defensive team in 2016-2017 season. I would have thought someone might have had an idea by now. I'll be honest, Um, my my Puma bag of athletes is not very deep. (laughs) No, fair enough. I I just remember when they were getting started, they made a big deal of it. So that's like why. Um, He has won. This might might be the giveaway. I'm expecting buzzers. Uh, championships with three separate teams. Buzz? Yes. Is this... Wait a second. I know he hosts his own podcast, but it's not Danny Green, is it? Yeah, it is. Oh. He uh, signed okay. with Puma? Yeah, he was like the first Did one. you say he's known for his transition defense? Yeah, that's like... Well, not maybe not now, but that's, that, that's like... Big <laughs> that's not what I know him for. <laughs> jo- Joey knows him for bricking in the bubble, but... <laughs> Well, maybe three Lakers. Maybe three Lakers. Um, right, no, no, he's, he's a he's a good he's a good defender. He's a good defender. It's one on the board, one for, <laughs> yep. for Curtis. Thank um, you. Okay, um, there was only two more clues there, and the last one was certainly giving away. All right, second player. Um, again, decently well known. This player has played for a total of nine teams, playing for one team twice. Uh, in two thousand and seven, he suffered a debilitating knee injury that damaged almost every part of his knee took about a year and a half to return, and doctors initially said that he'd have to have his leg amputated. Jesus. Um, so it was pretty miraculous that he came back. He's a big playmaking win, known for uh, like his sort of pull-up mid-ranges, like works buzz, a lot on uh, mid-range. Buzz, buzz. I think oh. Joe's best there on my end. Oh, I get it. Maybe that might have been my internet, but I think... Yep. <laughs> Wait, okay, do you want to say it at the same time? All right. Three. What a buzz draw. Yeah. Two. One. one. Sure, sure living. living <laughs> yeah, well done. Hart. Are we getting giving a point each for that one? Uh, I'm, I'm happy. Do you want to just give it? Yeah, we'll call it a wash. Okay. Ending the rules. We might end up with two, with two, with two all here. But all right. Uh, sorry. First draw. No in all um, we clearly haven't got a defined rule set, so um, work with us <laughs> as we uh, make it up. Uh, okay, the third player. Um, current NBA color commentator for the same franchise that he holds the record for all-time points. Buzz. For. Oh. Yep. Del- yeah. Is it Del Curry? Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, on. is he the all-time point scorer for the Charlotte yeah. Hornets? And the all-time three-pointer. Three that is made. insane. I know, I didn't know that. But, like, when you think about it, like... Who else could it have been? Completely surprising. Oh, given I know, like Alonzo Mourning or something. Because... Mm. Because, like, Dale Curry was a bit of a journeyman himself, so it's like, how was he there yeah. long enough to, to be the top scorer? I think like, even Kemba would be in. Long. 
Like, Kemba would be in with a good shout, to be honest. Yeah, true. Yeah, well, um, the more you know, so that's... Mm, very cool. Joey got that one, 1-0. Um, okay. Uh, this, this player is a shooting guard. Kind of. Well, he shoots. Uh, he was drafted in 2017 by the Rockets. Uh, he sometimes takes, well, not sometimes, incredibly stupid shots, but makes up for it with, like, pretty tough defense. Uh, he's from Canada. He led the... Yeah. (laughs) Wait. Don't say it. I'm going to say... It's not Dylan Brooks, is it? Yeah, it is. I thought what? the Rockets thing would throw you off because he was drafted and got traded on draft night. Yeah. I didn't say it. Yeah. No, it's when, well. Oh. I know there's obvious players. I, I, he went, went through my mind as soon as you said the first clue, but then I was like, no, he surely wasn't drafted to Houston. Exactly. That, that was my train of thought. And then I was going to say Sam Decker. <laughs> Sam Decker. <laughs> Sam Decker is not a shot chucker. <laughs> he gets five he minutes on the time. floor. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, that is 2-1 to Curtis. Okay, now this... I think this is going to be the hardest one. Um, so this player was drafted in 2002 by San Antonio, but did not play until 2007-2008 season where he debuted with the Rockets and played all 82 games. Uh, that season, he was a member of the all-rookie team. He is a 6'9 power forward who sort of can stretch the floor, um, got better at that later in his career. He was also a member of the 2012-2013 Pacers team uh, led by Paul George that pushed the Heat to seven games. Um, I believe he came off the bench, though. Uh, he has iconic... Well, he at his peak, iconic, like, uh, long black hair. Um, he is most famous... Now, this is probably the clue, <laughs> if you haven't got anyone in mind. It's international play. Um, he is European. Uh, with Argentina in World Buzz. Cup. Oh, uh, yes. my. Yeah. Scholar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait, did you say he was drafted... He was drafted by the Spurs, and then you say he played with the Rockets for his first year. Yeah, he didn't play for like he was drafted in two thousand two and didn't play till two thousand seven. Ah, he used to play overseas, which was that's very random, strange. So he was yeah. in the All Rookie Team when he was like twenty seven. So oh wow, yeah, because that was technically his first season. Okay, interesting. Uh, well done. I think that's three one to Curtis. Um, Our first non five yeah point. <laughs> five point game, but. Very good. Okay. Yeah, good players, um, definitely James. not super niche this week. <laughs> no. No, I like that. That was good. Refreshing, I guess. No, exactly. It was good. Um, you don't have to listen to us uh, not know who scale the busy areas for five minutes. So. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to uh, our second segment. It's going to be the down under debate. Um, so just for a bit of context for those who didn't see this this week, um, in the Nuggets Heat game, Nikola Jokic um, got a rebound, was dribbling up the court, and was hard fouled by Markeith Morris with a bit of a hip and shoulder, elbow to the chest kind of situation. Um, Jokic retaliated and fully charged up behind him and like bowled him over. Uh, he's since been suspended and uh, Morris received, I think, a fine. I don't think he got any suspensions or anything. Just a fine. But in the aftermath, um, Nikola Jokic's brother, brothers made a Twitter account and chirped back at both the Morris brothers who also like tweeted out being like, oh yeah, like don't turn... Don't attack someone with their back turned, which is also like a very fair point. Um, but the Jokic brothers basically just called them out on Twitter. So, for our debate, we thought we'd have a bit of fun and say who would win in a fight between the pair of the Morris twins or the Jokic brothers. All right. So, I guess the first 
<laughs> wrinkle is that it is a 2v3 currently, so that doesn't sound very fair. Are we are we eliminating one Jokic brother? I mean... <laughs> are they allowed to, like, tag in, though? Like, I feel like they... Is, is this a 1v1 tag team match, or is this a 2v3... You know what? Handicap. I just thought of a gra- I thought of a great idea. Let's do the Morris brothers plus Jimmy Butler because he loves the smoke, and then yes. all three Jokic's. Apparently, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah apparently. That's, a, that's a good setup. Yeah, and then it can be tag team. It can be two v two, and then you have a sub in the background. It's very WWE. Like the was it? I think they called like the Royale matches or something, where they have like twenty people in the ring, and they just be rotating in and out, just like beating <laughs> each other up. Classic times. Yeah. Alright, well, um, first things first is um, I've read that apparently one of Jokic's brothers is actually a MMA fighter. <laughs> no, I did see no, clips of that, yeah. <laughs> known I for have seen those a 3-0 record, all knockouts. Um, <laughs> so, that's that's a... That, that will sway um, their way a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, having a professional MMA fighter on the squad <laughs> kind of helps in fights, hey? Did he still have James Johnson? Yeah, no, no, he's on. Because he he got like under. Is this gonna turn yeah, into a? Is this gonna turn into a Miami Heat versus? Because I'm sure he would, he would be keen. He's an actual tough guy, so I feel like he would be keen to tag in instead of Butler. But they, yeah, he's not on the team. Ignore. No. No, but I mean, he was. There might be some some culture there, you know. He might have, yeah. <laughs> some friendship. Um. Yes, but so I think. The only way they stand a chance, because all of Jokic's brothers look like genuinely bigger than him as well, like bigger and tougher. And <laughs> I think this is this is turning out to be not much of a debate because I think we've all kind of agreed that Jokic's brothers would absolutely destroy the Morrises. Are, are props allowed? Like, are, are we bringing in the chairs and the table? <laughs> like, is it is it WWE style? Because I feel like that's the only way the Morris brothers have a chance is yeah, if they can like land a sneaky chair on like. <laughs> No, you know. I think I think we bring it in, and given you know they're Americans, I would guess that over the years they watched their bit of WWE or something, or like wrestling or something. You know, they might have some moves in the background. You so can't some... assume anything in this scenario. You never know. The Morris brothers might have been, you know, they they, they do everything together. They could be training for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I do think they're quite tough, and they would definitely beat up the average person in a fight. But I mean, I'm just <laughs> they'd have the speed, surely, over um Jokic. He'd be throwing, like, the, the slowest hooks. Yeah, but they'd be the I, heaviest I, hooks ever. I, and I also feel like they'd be, like, like they'd be just, like, punching into their brother's chest and they just wouldn't budge. Like, it'd be one of those scenarios oh. where they just pick them up and just body slam them. Like, it just, they just look like they can't be moved. I think, I think, uh, is that pretty much summing up the debate for us there? Okay, okay, we well, I'll give another scenario. What okay, about, yeah, yeah. In a game of basketball, the Jokic brothers versus the, Mor- the Morris brothers, who would win that? Oh, well, the Probably. Morris brothers. Butler's the third. As no, no, 2v3. Well, oh, okay. So, Jokic oh. and his two brothers versus the two Morris brothers. That I mean, is actually more interesting. Yeah. It is. I Like, sure, Jokic would just... One of them... Whoever's free would just cut and Jokic would find him. They're just going to make the layup. Really. <laughs> I know that's... Okay, you know, I'm going to kick back now because I think having two actual NBA players is way better than... Like, I'm sure the Jokic's aren't bad at basketball. I'm sure they've played a fair bit, but, like, they're not going to be anywhere near the level of two NBA players. And I think with that, you can, like, put out enough fires. Yeah. Jergen? That's fair. Obviously, Jokic is by far the best player on the floor, but if you're actually playing basketball, 
having two NBA players might actually match up quite well, even though the other team has three and one of them is the MVP. It would just definitely turn into a brawler. <laughs> you need a referee. <laughs> then you have Jimmy Butler from the sidelines just yelling. Seven. I think we'll call it there. I think ultimately we've decided that the Jokic We wanted brothers... to debate, but like... <laughs> yeah. It was kind was of it, what game us... was it last year where like there was a bit of a altercation and the brothers were like in the stands like like psyching themselves up? Did you, did you see that? Do you remember that clip? <laughs> no. It was like when they were first introduced as like, oh my God, those are Jokic's brothers. And um, oh, I can't remember what it was, but they were just like shouting stuff. At who it was, anyway. Playoff game, probably. Actually, sorry, yeah, I no. It was. I have one more addition. So, what if it's the Jokic brothers versus the Morris brothers, who also have Thon Maker and his fly kicks? <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> then the Morris brothers. Don't know. The, Morris brothers yeah, like the Morris brothers. Yeah. Thon Maker. Thon Maker um, fly kicked someone in, in like a the a brawl between the Australian national team and like the Philippines like two years ago. Did he even connect with it? I don't think he connected, did he? I don't think he did actually. He, he just I like think, I think, no. But the audacity to try it. <laughs> yeah. I mean like and the photos that came out of it were so funny. Imagine like in the in our like league if someone just came with a bike. <laughs> I tell you what though, was, you don't hit someone game. in in um Morris in the Morris Brothers home in particular Marcave, like I don't think it's acceptable to hit to ever like, you know, give one when they're not looking. No. I, I don't care, like, he get, yeah, he did give a dirty one to him, but, like... I think it's the, the context... I agree like, You never run up of, to someone the behind them and the just game. fucking slam them. That's just, like... Like, the... it was over, he made connection with his knee, too, and also, like, you don't hard foul someone like that and just... and not turn around. Like, you shouldn't have pushed him. You're, like, Jokic kind of, like... Yeah, I guess... Like, tap him on the what shoulder. What was he expecting? Just, <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't just do that to someone, like, and, and not think they're going to say anything or... Um, especially when you're down, like it's not like a hard foul to, you know, it's a heat of a game or that sort of stuff. They're down like 20 points. To be fair, right, in, in Jokic's like defense, I guess, yeah, you, you don't expect, like Mark, Mark E. Morris shouldn't have turned around because you've done something very silly. But also it's not like Jokic is going to walk up to him about to, you know, um, bump him over and just goes, like, hey mate, turn around. And just wait for him. Just so I can be ethical and, and go to sleep well well tonight. I want to make sure you turn around before I smash you with my shoulder. <laughs> I really so, didn't think the one... I thought he would get suspended for like two or three games. But anyway. It was only one. Yeah. I think if Morris had just kind of like, I don't know, wrapped him up or had some words to him. And then well, I that, mean, if someone like runs up like... and clotheslines like another player, like you'd expect them to get more than a game. And I kind of yeah, feel like it's fair. in the same realm of, as that. Okay, our next topic of discussion. Uh, recently, uh, Alex Caruso went on the Old Men of the Three podcast, and they were, t- they were talking about his free agency this summer uh, and talking about how the Lakers, you know, the quotes were that Rob Link was very aggressive in the way that he approached Caruso's free agency really we like you know the Lakers wanted him back blah 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 and then in the interview basically they kind of alluded to the fact that uh, Caruso basically confirmed that the Lakers initial offer was below two years 15 million which is essentially nothing in not sorry not, not in not in the context of our lives but within the context of NBA contracts and Must given Caruso's nice. value given he ended up getting I believe four years 37 which is also like more than fair um, for his contributions on the floor. But yeah, two for 15 is pennies for what he's worth on the market. 
Um, and I'm sure, yeah, I think that's why, you know, he felt quite disrespected and ended up going to the Bulls. I'd love to hear Joey's thoughts. What do you think about this whole situation? I mean, firstly, the Lakers should have just given him the bag. I mean, not the bag, just, you know, offered him a reasonable <laughs> a quarter bag. quarter of a bag. Like, apparently he went, after he got offered by Chicago and a few other teams, he went back to the Lakers to see if they could match, and, he, and they said no. Yeah, yeah, that's why I heard And it's well. just like, his impact on the court is just far greater than a two, two for under 15. Like, that's just ridiculous. I can't believe we, I still can't believe we been- just let him go. It wouldn't have even just been like a loyalty payment kind of thing. Like, it's not like, oh, you know, reward for what he's done. He's actually still worth what? Yes. Yeah. You know what he's, I mean? worth, like, he's worth 10 million a year. Yeah. It's just something you do. And I'm sure he would have preferred to go there over Chicago. Well, I mean, I don't know that. but No, no. I think, well, that's the thing. He did because he went back multiple times, tried to renegotiate, and like was basically saying, like, this is the offer I've received from Chicago. Like, yes. If you want to match it, or <laughs> like, and they, he almost, I think he also said, like, I'm happy to take a little bit less than this offer. So I don't know whether mm-hmm. that would have been, you know, 35 million or 33 million or something like that over the four years. But like he was willing to take a little bit less than the Chicago offer to stay. So like the ball was really in the court of Palenka and, and Genie Bus. And I, the rumors are, you know, that it's it was to do with tax uh, because by signing that contract, that would have been well over the tax bracket and would be paying luxury tax, uh, like an obscene amount of luxury tax, which, you know, fair enough, don't want to pay that. But still, like if you want to win a championship, this is when you pay luxury tax. And this is a guy that you want to bring back. I yeah. mean, in my eyes, he's like one of the premier like glue guys in the NBA. Honestly, like I don't, I think you'd you know it'd be hard to find a better glue guy. Genuine like top five, top five perimeter defender. Yeah, on board defender. Gen- like insane. genuinely leads yeah, the like, league in steals so far this year. Like he's been crazy. That Bulls team's rolling too. Like he's just fitted yeah, straight like, in. His does energy exactly is what like, he needs to do. Yeah, his energy is contagious. Like he's you know he comes in has an impact, and then the the rest of the team like lifts up as well on defense. Yeah, exactly. Like they're this Bulls team has been so good like as in running the break like yeah their transition game has been awesome and that's something that he thrives in he's like a mini I was going to say mini LeBron but like that doesn't seem fair either but like as in like if you, in terms of like he's just like a little dynamo he's like he's like what you want Eric Bledsoe to be that's actually yeah. how I put it I was he's just exactly, like yeah. I don't actually know if anyone else does what he does right now I like, can't I can't honestly because when you were saying that I was does. trying to think of a comparison he's and yeah, like prime Eric Bledsoe would have been like that like, like a, a bundle of interceptor energy. that yeah. like sets up plays. Yeah, it is. It is like a, yeah, the idea of Bledsoe when he the, was on the Clippers. The, first the only time. other person I can think of really, in a way, is TJ McConnell because I think TJ McConnell is quite an underrated perimeter defender. He's very sneaky in terms of stealing yeah. the ball. I think TJ's probably a better passer at this point, but he's not as good of a, of a defender. Not as athletic. Um, and I not think as good attacking puts the more rim. pressure on the yeah on the ring. He's actually yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. which Definitely. forces like you know will create so many opportunities. Like, they're exactly. so much fun to watch Bulls. Like, and not only are they fun to watch, they're actually really, really good. Like, at the time of recording this podcast, I think it's uh, Bitch is now out in health and safety protocols, I think. So yep. it'll be interesting to see if that slows them down. But, like, that, their, like, best five is so much fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's largely because of Caruso. When he comes off the bench, and just sparks them up. For the record, uh, we're recording on the 12th of November, 12, 2 yes. o'clock Australian Eastern Standard Time. So... Just want to make sure we date that nice and clearly, Joey. Um, yes, so <laughs> um, it's not really. I wouldn't say it's not a hot take, but this is kind of a question for you, Curtis. I, I personally think that we would actually be a better team right now if we had Caruso playing instead of Russ. <laughs> Thoughts? No, I, I agree. No, it's it's true I, I, because I, I genuinely he, think because Russ will do ten great things in a game, but he'll do twenty bad things. So. 
the net aggregate is just so much worse. Versus Caruso, he's steady. For example, like okay, a context, right? In as in injury plagued situations, like for example, right now with LeBron out, mm-hmm. you would rather have Russell yes. than Westbrook because yeah. he provides like that safety blanket of, um, you know, he will do some stupid things and he will turn the ball over. He'll take bad shots, but he's probably going to help you win a couple more games than you would if you didn't have LeBron. So if in the situation that you don't have someone like LeBron, but in terms of actually like winning a title, like I would actually take Caruso. It seems like very silly to say in a way, but like I don't think it is. Point, I think it's fair enough. Would he be your like point guard though? Like, no, he'd play the he, role he, he played like last season, like that. But then you who's know, sort of like slasher with LeBron and then? Well, I mean the Lakers. Okay, the Lakers LeBron's back though. Yeah, like assuming it, he's back. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. like the whole thing was, oh, we need a backup playmaker during the non-LeBron minutes. So welcome to the team, Rajon Rondo, and we're fine. You don't Kendrick need Nine, us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 okay, that's fair. Because I'm thinking in the context of, like, the team right now, but that's not fair because, like, obviously they're very injured. So, yeah, no, that's fair. I kind of, I think I'm with you there because, like, Russ is, especially this Russ that we're getting right now, like, bad. This year it's been different because I've actually been able to watch Russ pretty regularly, you know, versus only watching highlights or watching the odd game for the Thunder or the Rockets here and there. And, like, seeing him, I guess, like, day in, day out, like, he averaged a lot of assists, sure, but it's... I think it's really because he had the most opportunities more than anything else. Like, it just seems like... Oh, either that or his passing just taken a massive step back. Because a lot of his passes just look like they're turnovers. And they've just happened to, like... It just looks so... Um, he doesn't he doesn't have, like, a great feel for the game. Like, it's like, I don't know, when you see... Even, like, yeah, like, Rondo passing. I guess it's not a fair comparison because, like, Rondo's one of the greatest passes, like, in the history of the game, in a sense, right? Um, but like even at this point of his career, like when you see him passing, it's like he's playing angles. Russ kind of just like bashes his way in and then like finds an outlet. And it's like if that outlet's covered, he's screwed. Yeah, that's when you get the turnovers. Yeah. yeah, there's there's just no smoothness to it. Like it's all like sporadic and like <laughs> out of control. Like do you know what I mean? Like it's yep. like he's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's just anyway, oh, so. We can literally just slander him every week. Yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, just quickly um, back on the. Caruso thing, like, do you guys think um, LeBron could have had, like, any influence in, like, if he really wanted to stay? Like, you know, saying... Yeah, surely. Sure, surely surely I, he would have. Because, like, he was one of his guys, you know? Yeah. LeBron would have been in every single I find that very interesting, yeah. That, um... Yeah. I, I do think that ultimately it came down to, like, money. Donnie is... Mello. <laughs> stay Mello. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mello or Caruso. LeBron made the call. <laughs> I... I... I feel like I'm sure he wanted him back, but it, I think it was one of those situations where it's like you speak to Rob Lincoln, you understand that okay, we have all this cap space. If we don't sign him, we will be able to get other people to like fill the fringes. I don't think perhaps maybe he didn't realize the like severity of losing Cruz, like as in the impact in your in your head. You're like, oh, you know, we're gonna get like Malik Monk, we're gonna get yeah. Kendrick Nunn on well, the minimum, maybe stuff like, like that. Can uh, they were hoping like you know THT can develop into that kind of player, that role. And that's the thing we haven't seen THT yet, so like let's yeah, I guess park the bus a little bit and see if he can kind of embrace that role. Even though like I don't think he he doesn't provide the same energy that Caruso does. But anyway, it's a different skills. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's right. it's at least something to like monitor for the rest of the season because like even as banged up as Lakers are right now, they're seven and five. Like could be much worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They got people coming back, and also the Bulls are off to like a hot start. They could cool off, so we'll see. But yeah, it doesn't look like they've made the right call in early returns. It does look like Caruso is just a genuine, just like 
very important rotation player, and we love to see it. So for this next section, we're joined by Mike Reed, a guest who we've had on previously on the podcast, um, to talk a little bit about the Celtics and how they've been going early on in this season. Uh, unfortunately, James wasn't available for this segment, but yeah, hopefully you enjoy and we'll get right to it. All right, we're back and very, very happy to welcome in our guest, Mike Reed, who we've had previously on before to talk about all things Josh Giddy and a bit of Celtics and a bit of that. And we're, we're once again here to talk with Mike about the Celtics. How are you going, Mike? Good, thanks, Curtis. Yeah, it's good to be back, guys. Um, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right, we'll get right to it. As for the Celtics, they've had a, uh, you know, a slightly rocky-ish start to the season, not probably the ideal start they were looking for. Uh, they're currently sitting at a record of five and six. So that may not be including today's game against the Bucks, actually. So maybe uh, six and six now. So, Mike, how are you feeling about the Celtics? It's been a roller coaster. This the start of the season has been a nightmare as a Celtics fan. Uh, seven overtimes, including today's game. We're six and six now. That's including two double overtime games, which we've lost. We won that one against the Hornets, which was I thought the season was back on track. An absolute ripper win. Um, sort of the backs against the wall in the fourth quarter. Um, came back, sent it to OT, and then and then got the job done in OT. Capitalized by that massive Jalen Brown dunk. Um, all over Miles Bridges um, in overtime. Since then, though, it's been up and down again. We, we blew that Chicago game. I thought things were going well there. Um, and now Jalen Brown out with hamstring injury, mm. looking mm. at other guys to step up. It's been, it's been just one of those years. Now we're back, at, we're back at 500 now. The next two games against the Cavs on the road. I'm hoping that's where we steer the ship. If we, get to, if we um, split those two, stay at 500, I'll be pretty happy and... Yeah. Then the season starts going again. Hopefully get Jalen back in the next week or so, maybe two yeah. weeks. Um, and then that's when we start flourishing. I guess, Joey, you can probably speak to this as well. But, you know, from in terms of the Dennis Schroeder experience, um, now that Jalen Brown is out for a little bit as well, hopefully not too long, fingers crossed for him. I think I think you'll really see the full, I guess, breadth of the experience with having Schroeder on your team. It's very hot and cold. Do you agree, Joey? Um. Yeah, so the thing with Dennis is like, you watch him like he was last year and it's like really good. And then he also has those moments where he says, can't make a shot. And then the other thing is like, he can't fall back on like much. I don't, I don't see him as much of a playmate. I don't know if you guys see him as that, but I definitely see him more of like a scoring, scoring point guard. So with um, Brown out, you'd like to see him take a big step up and like try and, you know, carry a bit of the load. But uh, I'm yeah. not sure. has he done that so far? I don't think he has. Yeah, he's typically not been a very efficient uh, shooter. Someone who is quite streaky, especially from three. A bit better from the mid-range, like around the elbows and such, when he can get into his pull-up game. But uh, and also not particularly a great finisher at the rim either. He's he's someone that like today he uh like we'll date this again. It's thirteenth of November, um in Australia that is. Um, the Celtics just played the Bucks and he had a great game. I think Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. He ended with about thirty-six points or so. Yeah, um, thirty-eight points. Thirty-eight. Um, and yeah, he took over in OT um, and yeah. in the fourth quarter when our offense was not moving, and that's something that's we, we've had a genuine problem with um, down the stretch of big games. We can't get good looks. We don't move the ball. We don't we don't run any sets. We don't run any high pick and rolls. It's all ISO. Dennis came in. Um, one thing I will say, and it's something I've just noticed today, and I've been watching the last few games. He misses so many open lobs to Rob Williams, it's ridiculous. 
he looks off Rob Williams every single play. And if he adds that to his game, he's going to be dangerous for our team. He just looks him off. There was this one play towards the end of the game. Jess, I'm not sure if you were watching it. It was in the it was in um OT. He comes off a screen. Rob dives. He is wide open. It yeah. would have been a simple lob. Instead, pulls it back out, and luckily he hits a big three down the stretch. And no one remember no one will remember the look off. But when I was watching it, I jumped out of my seat. I'm like, you have got to be joking. It's about the <laughs> sixth one he'd missed in the second half. It was killing me. But luckily he makes that big shot. Come down the other end, we get a block, um, and in transition, semi-transition, he comes off the pick, drives in, and nice little left-hand finger roll to sort of put the game on ice, and he makes up with it with some crazy plays. But geez, I just can't handle that miss, like the missing <laughs> yeah, the lobs yeah, and things yeah. like that. They're just it's, it's, a, it's the a easiest in game. Yeah, it's yeah. the easiest play in the game, and he just doesn't read it well. Uh, he turns the ball over too much. Um, and the thing is, uh, I read a stat before, and as as his number of dribbles go up, his field goal percentage goes down. So when he just catches and drives, he has the quickest first step, um, and he just catches and drives and gets to the bucket with ease. But if he just starts dribbling and playing around on the perimeter, it kills me. We only have yeah. 16 seconds left on the shot clock by the time he gets into it, and it's just... We, we just have bad offensive possessions way too often when he's, him and that smart are in the backcourt. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I used to remember when he played for the, like, when he was on the Lakers, we'd have a lot of, like, ball movement in the offense, and then he'd kind of, like, catch it and almost, like, yeah, he'd dribble back out and, like, set up for an ISO again, like, just out of, like, it seemed like out of nowhere. So it's, like, one of the one of those things that, like, used to piss me off a lot, and I guess he keeps doing it, so... Yeah, <laughs> Russ, Russ is kind of similar in that sense as well. I was, I was the way uh, when you started, Mike, you talking about um, the way the offense kind of stagnates and it turns into just like ISOs. Like, yeah, a lot of parallels with what we've been seeing from the Lakers as well. It's just very, very frustrating to watch. Just kind of like it's very. Um, I noticed this in today's game against the Bucks. It was very my turn, your turn. So like you know, Tatum would have one possession, like he would just kind of do his thing, make it, miss it, whatever. Schroeder would come down, do his thing. And it was just like they just take turns, and it just there's no flow within the offense. Luckily today, I mean, for you guys, it, like it all came through. You know, um, Schroeder came up big, um, and ultimately, like getting the win is what's important. But I guess I'll kind of move on to this next section to talk about Tatum a little bit because I, I love. I want to preface this by saying I love Jason Tatum. I think he's a really, really good player. I think he's got like an incredible ceiling, um, like absolutely amazing ability. But like, I genuinely think. <laughs> my brother made a joke before saying there's like three things that are like, you know, guaranteed in life, death taxes and Jason Tatum sidestep threes. So like he, he's the most guardable star player. I like he may be the most guardable star player in the league right now because you know what he's going to do every possession. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me there, Mike, but it's like, it feels like every time he gets the ball, he's going to dribble. He's going to do a couple crossovers. He's going to ISO on his guy and he's probably going to sidestep into a three. And, like, we were begging him at the end of this game, like, go to the hoop. Please, just go to the hoop. But, you know, what do you reckon? Yeah, and I think that that is really highlighted and um, it happens way too often at the end of games. Um, he's at his best in the in the first, second, third quarter when he's getting downhill, um, running pick and rolls. He's great at using his body to protect the ball and then get to the bucket. Um, I love the way he sort of he's able to create shots from the post I don't think he gets enough touches in the post, and I think there's something that we can look at too. Even at the high post, um, he's got a, he's got so many moves out of that sort of triple threat position that uh, 
really, really unguardable. It's just this one thing that he just loves to do at the end of big games. It's a hezzy into a step back to the left-hand side into a fall away, and he just prays it goes in. And I just can't do it anymore. He's like, there's this one, there's this one play. He's done from last season against the Detroit Pistons, and this was when Blake Griffin was on on the Pistons before he got bought out. And it was, it's 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 his best game winner. And I tell you why, because he comes off a pick. We get some great motion. There's five seconds left in the game. We've got the ball out of bounds. We get some great motion. He comes off a pick, gets an elbow jumper, knocks it down. We go home happy. Yeah. He doesn't dribble for 15 seconds and then take a step back. He gets into his play straight away. It's a one dribble play, pulls up, knocks it down. When he is doing that and the, he makes quick decisions, he is extremely tough to stop. He's that yeah. skilled as an offensive player and a scorer. Um, he just makes sometimes the like makes life harder for himself than it is. That's, that's exactly how you'd sum it up, I reckon. Making life harder for yourself, for sure. I guess it kind of reminds me of like the, his Olympic experience as well, because early on, I feel like, uh, I don't know how much of the US games you guys watched, but it was a lot of him in the corner taking threes. And, and it got to a point, I remember in the France game, where every time he took it, we were kind of like, oh. Because I, I, I guess, you know, the anarchist within us all kind of was rooting for France, being like, oh, let's, let's you know, see, let's see an upset. Uh, yeah. And every time he took a three, it was almost like a little celebration because it was like, when he's not when he's not hot, it's like so hit and miss. It's so yeah. so so hit and miss. And like he was taking like very contested poor shots, and it's unfortunately it seems to have dragged into to the season a little bit because like I guess in our in our preview of the Celtics we were talking about how um, you know with both Brown and Tatum like if they can get to the line like that little bit more like that's the step like I think that's the thing for him like yeah what do you think Joey? Yeah, I'm, the thing like I'm gonna speak on James's behalf here. <laughs> yeah, sure. He has this like thing he always brings up, which is when Tatum drives, he uses his off arm to like push the defender away, and he gets away with it all the time. So I, I guess I ask you, Mike, like, do you think his bag's like actually like incredibly big at this point? Like, does he have a lot of moves in the bag, or is he is it just like you know the step back, the fading middies, and the push off drive that he's got like? Well, well, that play is is one of those ones where it's like they're not going to call that very often unless he really, really hit him. Um, so he protects the ball quite well with the offhand and then pushes off and then gets to the ring, extends it, extends the offhand. Like it works. And, it works. It works. Yeah, a lot. it works. Um, yeah. In terms of in terms of his scoring, it, it it needs to come in a way which he doesn't have to do too much. Um, and I think that's when we're at our best. So in terms of having a bag. His bag is sort of like it doesn't need to be that big because when we're at our best, he's getting good looks. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do everything. Um, yeah. We've got other guys. We've got other playmakers on our roster that can that can get to the hole and dish it out. And uh, he only has to make a quick three second decision um, and get a bucket. That's when we're at our best. And when he's trying to do too much, that's when we sort of have our downfalls. Um, so in terms of that that sort of comment and things like that, it's like yeah, he, he he's he's a good ISO scorer. But he's at his best when we he gets shots within the offense and he gets um, shots within like high pick and rolls and and that sort of yep. thing and makes plays. I completely agree. As well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'll pose this to to both of you. What do you think is their best starting five then? Uh, Mike, do you want to go first? Yeah. So if I'm starting five, um, today was really frustrating. The, the Bucks didn't have; they only had one guy over six foot six on the floor, and we just played. We played two bigs the whole day. I, I was a bit confused about why that is, but. Um, my starting five is 
Smart, Brown, Tatum, Rob, and Horford, probably at the four. Um, if you want to go one big and you want to play, I'm happy to play Langford. Um, I think he's got tremendous upside. Um, great, great effort on defense. Um, and can knock down shots from the corner. So yeah. if you want to play Langford, I'm more than happy and move Horford to the bench. That's more than fine. But Rob has to start at the five every game. Um, and then it has to be Tatum and Brown. Smart's going to start. Um, and then plug in whoever you wanted that for. So start, no, uh, fifth no, no Schroeder in the starting lineup? No, I think Schroeder's best when he comes off the bench. Um, I love the way he plays with Horford in the pick and roll. Um, I like the way he can sort of control the offense when one of the um, one of Tatum and Brown are on the bench. Um, and it gives us scoring off the bench that we haven't had in, in multiple years. I remember last year when we would play guys that just could not get a bucket. We had to have one of the Jays on the floor at all times um, and they had to do everything. Now with yeah. Schroeder, it gives these guys more of a rest. They, 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 can, play, they can pick their spots a lot better. Um, and that's why I think Schroeder's best off the bench um, for yeah. our side. No, no, very fair enough. I, I would agree in terms of uh, the Laker experience last year. I think if he had to come off the bench, it would have been a lot smoother. Um, yeah. Joey, what about you? No, I've got the completely same starting five as Mike. Oh, brilliant. Horf- okay. Horford at the four. Yeah, Horford's been huge this year. I really, you know, yeah. he's been like a revelation. Like, he's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Back was odd ways. Yeah, if he starts knocking down the three, it'll be great. Re- there was this start. Horford's, missed- Horford's only made two of his last 18 threes. And... Um, Grant Williams has only made two of his last 20 or something like that. Oh, so wow, if wow. these guys start making some shots, they get open looks. They just got to yeah. knock them down. Um, so, Re- yeah. they'll, they'll regress back to the norm, I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. For sure. And even Tatum shooting 33% from three, like he's going to he's gonna be start shooting better than that. Like he's a better player than what he's been yeah. playing this season. Yeah. But he's also had games where he's starting to get into that rhythm again. So that Hornets game, when I said, like he's gone downhill since then for a bit, but um, that Hornets game was great. He was good today. Uh, yeah, I thought he was good was, today. Yeah. He takes good mm-hmm. shots. Um, when he takes good shots, he's he's a good player. Great player. Um, I guess I'll I'll flip the question a little bit. I, if there's no changes, we'll move on. But would that also be the same as your closing five? I think there's going to be instances where you have Schroeder on. So you play Schroeder and Smart in the backcourt. The only thing with that is the shooting in the backcourt is so inconsistent if you have Smart and Schroeder mm-hmm. on the floor. You just pray. You just pray that it goes in. Um, yeah. So that's where that's where I'd probably prefer to to not. But if he's having a good game, you got to have that second ball handler ball handler um, on the floor, and that would probably move either Horford or um, Rob to the bench. Um, and I'm happy with that. Yeah. To finish games. Yeah, because I know personally for me, I think to end games, I would actually prefer to have Schroeder on the floor purely because I I think he's a, a positive defender. I don't, I haven't seen too much of his defense this year, but like in in the past, he's been a, no, no, he's a pretty he's a pretty, he's a pretty feisty defender, yeah, um, which is obviously important when you're closing a game. And you know when you need a bucket and you need to spread the floor, it's it's so much more beneficial to have an extra ball handler. So like you know, for example, if Tatum or Brown is able to break down the first line of defense, they can kick it to Schroeder and he's able to take advantage of the next next play. Oh, sorry, the next um, stage within that possession. Um, that's way more valuable than, for example, Rob Williams, who can't create his own shot. So that's kind of where I'd come from, and then you would de- like depending on who you're playing, you'd have either Rob or or Al Horford as your big man. Um, yeah, but yeah, I guess that's just kind of. I was curious to see uh, what what you thought about that, but yeah, I guess ultimately it's very situationally based. Mm. Yeah, like if, if Shooter's having a hard game, you ride the hot hand for sure. 
But I just think Rob's impact defensively is just next level. Um, the way he alters and blocks shots around the rim is just crazy. Great offensive rebounder, uh, takes advantage of switches on the offensive glass, um, gives us extra possessions. I think he's invaluable to our team. Um, it was a plus 13 team best today, um, that kind of thing. He has to be on the floor in, in, in big games, I think. He does have crazy... Um plus minus scores doesn't he i remember like was it two years ago that he was like the fifth best in the league or something yeah yeah. Um, i guess we'll move on to one last celtics thing um recently there was a trade floated about uh jalen brown for ben simmons trade and it kind of i think got added on to where it was simmons and danny green for brown uh smart and rob which is obviously ridiculous um but let's just say brown straight up for simmons what do you think about that Oh, it's laughable, isn't it? Really, like. <laughs> Sorry, uh, straight I, faces. I explained that one. <laughs> yeah, when I when I saw it, I was like, "You've got to be joking." We're not trading Brown for Simmons. Like, there's just going to be no chance of that happening. Like, no. I can I can imagine the phone call would have been Daryl Morey on the phone, just being like, "Oh, so what do you guys like?" Brad Stephen answers, he's like, "Hey, Daryl, how you going, mate?" It's like we want Jalen Brown for Simmons. <laughs> That's just it. <laughs> like, that, there's no way that conversation lasted more than thirty seconds. Like. We, we're not trading Jalen Brown. There's no chance. Um, I, I just can't, could never see it happening. You know what is interesting, though? If there's a package that gets Simmons on, Simmons on the Celtics, but you don't have to give up Brown, like so maybe in a couple of months if this keeps dragging on, and maybe this is extremely optimistic, but if you could go rob a couple of future first, smart, maybe mm-hmm. Richardson, even though they probably don't want him back, but like you know, a couple of players and a few picks, for Simmons, I feel like Simmons fits our team pretty, pretty well. Yeah. You'd have yeah. two um, of the, you know, two very young elite two-way players. Yeah. It's like a elite, elite defender. Like that would be length on length on length on the defensive end. It'd be scary. Yep. And he never, he wouldn't have to score because we've got two great 25 point per game scorers. Yeah. He'd be able to defense and he would just get that'd be, tennis. That'd be great. Game. It'd be unreal. It'd be so much fun to watch. Now, oh, it's God, probably yeah. a bit unrealistic because the salaries probably don't work in terms of how do you get – you've got to get like 100, 100 million. You've still got like 100 million remaining. So you've got to get 100 million in salary. Um, we probably don't have that many good players. We don't have any draft picks yes. other than ourselves, which aren't uh, going to be that good if we're still a contender in the East, which I hope we are for a few more years. Yeah. So um, it's probably unlikely, but if there is a way to do it, I would be very keen and interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, like, one of the things you guys are kind of, like, I'd say, like, the thing you're missing is, like, that playmaking, like, the, the pure playmaker. Because I, I guess, like, who's your best playmaker right now? Would it be, like, maybe... Smart? No, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's probably smart. Really? It's, okay. Yeah, it's probably he's, smart. He's not a bad point yeah. guard. But, like, what I'm saying not is, like, good one, though. maybe that's, like, why you guys play so much ISO-heavy ballers, because you don't really have that, like, Floor general point guard kind of yeah absolutely and and down yeah. the stretch of big games we've got we've got guys that can create shots but their job is to create shots for themselves smart's probably our most unselfish player but he just makes some dumb plays um simmons doesn't make plays like that uh down even down the stretch of big games he's not going to shoot but he's going to make the right play every time um and that's the kind of thing that would be absolutely invaluable for us and he would be nuts on our squad we would have so much length could you imagine? That'd be it'd be pretty crazy. It'd be pretty. It'd be, crazy. It'd be a scary lineup. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It'd yeah. be nuts. Very. Um, I guess while we're briefly talking about smart, there's one last thing I'd also like to touch on. Um, is he he had a quote recently as well, um, 
a little bit a little bit spicy. He's basically calling out Tatum and Brown and saying they need to pass more in crunch time. What do you guys think about that? Well, it's, it's, it's probably a fair comment. Like, as we, was, as we were saying earlier, this stagnant offense is terrible down the stretch. We can't get good looks. Um, we dribble too much in the fourth quarter and overtimes. Um, it's a fair comment. The only thing I will say is that Marcus Smart is our fifth best player, sixth best player. He is not our number one guy. He's not number two. He's not number three. Don't act like you're a superstar, Smart. You're a good role player, but and it's a fair comment, and you're the leader of the team, mm, mm. but these guys yeah. are going to take us to the promised land. You are not. Um, Keep it in-house as well. Keep it in-house. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. A little bit unprofessional. I, I think Smart is a very... Uh, Pardon the pun. He's a very smart player. Um, yeah. He's a very smart bloke in general, and you know, I think he means well. But like, I think he, he, I almost feel like he did it in terms of like a bit of a kick in the ass, like to get everyone a bit more on yeah. the same page. But keep it in house. Keep it in house. Uh, I think I'd honestly take like I'd rather take like a contested Tatum three than a Marcus Smart wide open one. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what's so funny? He, he talks about crunch time, and he says oh, it's hard for me to do anything. Without the ball in my hands when I'm sitting in the corner, the next play, uh, the next game against the Mavs, he takes the worst foul. In the, it's one of the worst plays. Oh, that was I've ridiculous! In my oh, whole oh, life, oh, oh. I I just didn't understand it one bit. The, the way he did it was just idiotic. It it like cost us a chance to tie the game. Now maybe Luca goes down, still makes the shot, and we miss. But at least you get yourself an opportunity that you don't get walked off by Luca Doncic. You've given him one of. He's going to be a top five play guy for a long time. Probably got a couple of MVPs on the horizon. Like he's he's a generational talent, and he, they've given him a chance to to win the game and just go home. You can't come back to it. It was the worst foul uh, ever. So I guess just to finish off, uh, you mentioned before that you thought Marcus Smart was the fifth best Celtic at the moment. I was just wondering, like, who are your who are your top five then? Uh, so you probably want to start with you start with Tatum Brown one and two. Yep. Then you probably go Schroeder at three. He's probably our third best guy. And then um, I'd go. I'd be going either Rob Will or uh, Horford at four before I go Smart. And then Smart's probably size at six. To yep. be honest with you, he makes he makes some great plays, some winning plays. He he, he and has done for for six years. Um, but he just makes some of the dumbest plays I've ever seen, and some brain fade shots that yeah. that can ruin our te- ruin ruin games. Yeah. How far off do you think um, the gap is between Tatum and Brown at the moment? I think it's because, pretty like, close. I, I, I really think that Jalen Brown is like top tier talent, like almost. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I think just, it's really I close. Myself. <laughs> no, no, but, I, yeah. I completely agree. Um, he, it, Brown, Brown is an incredible player and one of those guys that just gets better every year. Um, this year, he's, before the injury, was showing signs of taking that next level again to where it's like 1A and 1B. Or one A star, or whatever you want to put it, but they're really close, and it's very exciting as a Seas fan, sort of just seeing these guys blossom. And and Brown Brown is a it's a credit to him that the work that he's put in. Um, he came as a guy extremely raw. Um, when when we drafted him, everyone was like, "This guy's crazy! Like, what are you guys doing?" Could only dunk, pretty much. Mm. Just an incredible athlete, uh, big wingspan, but he's just got better. Couldn't really dribble, no handle. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't create his own shot. Um, he was a catch-and-shoot guy that was very streaky, not even a very good catch-and-shoot guy. And every year he's got better. He got better by being able to shoot now. 
being able to take people off the dribble. Now he is a great scorer and he's an extremely good defender as well. Yeah. yeah. A lot of Jalen Brown love on this podcast. Big fans. Big, big fans. I love him. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. It's just been a bit unfortunate because it feels like for your game so far, the Celtics, that is, it's been like either Jalen has a good game or Jason has a good game. Yeah. Neither both at the same time. Like, I think that oh, in the first game against the Knicks, like, um, Brown had his career high. And then he had another couple strong games after that. But then, like, you know, he disappeared for a little bit. Like, it was only maybe, like, a 12-point game. And then Tatum would drop 38. Yeah. But it's like, ideally, you just want both of them to be 25-27. Just like that. Absolutely. You don't need to go crazy. Just, like, nah. 25 a game. Bang. And then you yep. guys will be in a really good spot. Completely yeah. agree. If, they, if those guys score between 50 and 60 points a game combined, our team is going to be extremely, extremely tough to beat um, most nights. So, yeah, as long as that continues and and we consistently do uh, do the way that we like, the defense has been incredible the last few games. So if we keep that up, um, I hope it's more smooth sailing than it has been the start of this season. I hope. Yeah, so. it sounds like you've got no worries there, Mark. You got you reckon you're going <laughs> to you know, go straight up to the top again? I'm losing my hair. I'm going to fall back in place. I haven't slept in weeks after these losses. I haven't slept. I just stay up thinking about it all night. It's nightmare. I need some sleep. I need some sleep. Well, mate, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. And we will definitely have you on again. This is not not the last time. Uh, Can't wait to have you back on. Awesome. Thanks, guys. As always, thanks to all of our listeners for tuning into this episode of the Up and Down Under podcast. Please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you guys are listening from. And if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe to our feed and recommend our podcast to your friends. If you have any suggestions or thoughts from today's episode, feel free to get in contact with us through our email, which is the up and down under pod at gmail.com. And join us next week. We'll see you then. Yeah.